All right, welcome to our brand new teaching series entitled Invisible. There are a lot of needs in our world today that go overlooked, unnoticed, or we hear about them and they're just a news story that crosses through our, our news pattern and then it's gone again. Today, November the 3rd, is Orphan Sunday. Many times the need of our orphans goes invisible to us. We live in the comforts of Buffalo County, but inside of Buffalo County are kids that are considered to be orphans. Today, I stand in Haiti, where there's a large orphan issue. Kids that are running the streets homeless, or they've ended up in an orphanage, getting one square meal a day, crammed into rooms with bunk beds all over the place. What is the Bible's answer? What does the Bible have to say to us about me as how are the to this Okay, well, how do you respond to it? You answer the question among yourselves. I was in uh, Haiti back in the beginning of September, and while in Haiti, I went there to uh, participate with Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is the sponsoring organization that we're going to be working with on the third week of November, um, where we do the one day to feed the rest of the world, one day to transform lives, giving one day of your wages to see that others uh, that are in great need have what they need. So with that said, I told them I would go. We were down there for about 48 hours. I said, I would go if you, be- if you bring someone that can help me make some videos. So I apologize that that video didn't play, um, but I've, we made some videos to kind of introduce every teaching series excuse me, every teaching of this particular series that I've entitled Invisible. Invisible, the word invisible, obviously, when you think of the word invisible, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? What? What? Of the unseen, okay. So things that you can't see, or maybe I can't hear, those things are invisible. Um, All right, but what about uh, when you were a kid? Did you guys ever have a a desire to be like maybe one of my more favorite superheroes? Superhero, you know, that man, invisible man. I think every kid desired to have the power to be invisible. I know that if I had the power to be invisible when I was a kid, I would have disappeared right out of school. So there's a... disappeared when mom was coming to try to find me for chores. Boom, I'm gone. But yet I'm still there watching cartoons. It would be the best of both worlds. So to be invisible, that would have been awesome, right? Um, there's some other, other memories that I have about invisible things, <clears throat> such as being amazed as a kid, watching TV as David Copperfield makes the Statue of Liberty disappear. How did he do that? I don't know how he did it. Did he shrink it down and shove it in his pocket? I don't know. I'm still trying to get that, but he won't respond to my email. So, or you have guys today like David Blaine or Chris Angel who are, you know, doing all these illusions and they're making things that seem like they are, but they make them invisible and things that, you know, just disappear. Obviously, I know now that that's a hoax and it's just a trick and it's TV. I got it. It's a magician. But we're still nevertheless fascinated by invisible. Even our military has, has been working, working hard, investing billions and billions of dollars to make planes fly through the air and be invisible to radar. Or ships cruise through, the sh- cruise through shipping lanes, but yet they're invisible to radar. Even soldiers, they're trying to work on technology that makes soldiers invisible. We have this... Inf- 
that we have this fascination with invisible. It might also be because there are things that are invisible to our own eye that we know cause pain to us. They cause discomfort to us. And unfortunately, they even cause death. The discomfort? Have you ever vis- you know, visibly been able to see with your own eyes the cold virus? If you didn't look underneath a microscope, you couldn't see it, right? Now, sure, when someone that has a cold sneezes, you think you see it, but you still don't see the actual virus, right? It's invisible to you until it starts making you ache, sneeze, cough, all those things. This thing that's invisible starts causing pain. Unfortunately, there's those of you that are in our church today um, that you suffer with another invisible element that can even cause death, and that is when cancer strikes a body. Invisible. Invisible to the naked eye. Seen, yes, you know, in science and in microscope, but yet still very invisible to you and me. But yet these things, they cause pain and they cause discomfort. They're invisible to our eye, but yet they still exist. And if that's the case, then that also means there's invisible needs on our planet that many times are like right in front of you. That you don't even see and they go unnoticed and they go overlooked. And unfortunately, they're happening and these things are causing pain to humans. They're causing hunger. They're causing neglect. They're causing abuse. And they're even causing death. And many times this invisible need is happening in Buffalo County and it's happening around the world. And this invisible need is happening to the poor of our community as they go overlooked and unnoticed. We drive by them every day. We walk by them in stores like Walmart. You know, we maybe even drive by certain neighborhoods, but yet the actual need of poverty for most of us goes unnoticed. We don't identify with it. We don't know how to connect with it. We Maybe you've never gone, you know, a day being hungry all day long, not knowing where the meal was going to come from. Maybe you've never been up against the, the fact that you've got no money in your bank account and a huge stack of bills in your adult life. Maybe you've never been there. So those needs are unnoticed to you. They're invisible to you. There's also the invisible need that's happening right here in Buffalo County and around the world that's a tragedy. It's called slavery. The more current word is human trafficking. We're going to talk about human trafficking on week three. I'm going to tell you some horrific stories that are happening right here in Nebraska. Not just to revel in the, in the horrible, but to awaken you on the inside to let you know what's really happening right where we live today. Invisible needs that are going unnoticed where people are being sold into sex slavery, where immigrants are being worked for, you know, uh, uh, in jobs, getting paid far less than what you and me would ever, ever desire to get paid. There's a lot of slavery that's happening. We just aren't auctioning people off on the blocks anymore, like the horrific, you know, past of our own nation. But then there's also the invisible need of the orphan. And today, that's where we want to land. On November the 3rd, it is worldwide um, emphasis today that this day is Orphan Sunday. Today I want to stop for a moment and I want to focus in on the invisible need of the orphan. You know, you've heard stories, you, you and I, you know, have fond memories of nice little movies called, you know, uh, Annie, I think, you know, Annie the Little Orphan and, you know, all the hope-filled, you know, desires and all the little songs that she sung and you still remember her nice little curly hair. But there's some invisible horrific needs that are going on. You know, back in, uh, in our country's history, there was a, a moment between uh, 1854 and 1929 where we literally put kids from our East Coast cities, our large cities, New York and Boston, uh, Washington, D.C., those large cities out there, and we put them on trains 
and we shipped them across the country. And we shipped approximately somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to 350,000 children we put on trains and they became orphans, whether a parent died or they turned them in early because they just couldn't take care of them or uh, something something happened, they lost them for abuse or neglect situations and they ended up in these orphanages that got overwhelmed and so they said, what can we do? And so we put them on trains and we shipped them to the Midwest where they could be they could become part of the households of farmers, where farmers needed, they needed more children to help accomplish the mission field of uh, of raising up their crops and accomplishing what they needed to and so there was efforts to try to to try to you know um interview families and get families ready but still nevertheless more kids were coming than families that were ready and the trains would have designated stops along the way Nebraska was one of those in fact in June uh the 26th of June in 1913 one of those trains stopped in Franklin Nebraska or on the 17th of May, 1912, one of those trains stopped in Grand Island. And those kids that were on those trains those day, that day would have been brought off the train. And they would have been brought into like um, like a school. Or they would have brought into a, a playhouse. Or they would have been brought into a church. And they were put on a stage. And then the parents that were waiting for these children would sit there. And they would say, I'll take that one. No, I'll, I'll take this one. I'll, I'll take those two. Or I'll take that one. But yeah, but then, the, oh, that one has a brother. Well, I don't want, I don't want the other brother. I, I just want this one. And so families were separated and tore apart and people ended up growing up all over the place, not even knowing who their siblings were here, right now, here in Nebraska. Those types of things took place. Now, you know, thankfully, Nebraskans and, you know, uh, Iowans and Missourians and people that live in Kansas and down in Texas and in Oklahoma and in all these countries where these trains landed, Thankfully, they were, they had open hearts to take them in. And there were a lot of great stories of people that had tremendous lives, but there was a lot of abuse and there was a lot of neglect and there was a lot of kids that got put out in the barn to sleep. Girls were necessarily wanted. So all of those kids that weren't selected in the town in Iowa were put back onto the train. Some of them lost brothers and sisters only to go to the next town. In the next town, they got paraded out onto the stage and if they weren't wanted, they were put back in the train and Sent to the next town. Can you imagine? What if you were one of the kids that the train stops in, in Illinois and then you're put back on? And then the train stops in Iowa and then you're put back on. And then the, the train lands in Omaha and you're put back on. And the train dead ends in Franklin. You're like, this is the last stop. Someone's just going to have to take you. I mean, that, that's the real life. It's the real life of some of the orphans that you know, came through. About six to 7,000 of them landed here in Nebraska. Well, that was back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. What's the need today? Right now, it's estimated that there are about 900 kids that are waiting to be adopted that live right here in Nebraska. That there's about 138 kids that are in foster care right here in Buffalo County. And would you... Would you be amazed if I told you that of those 138, we don't have enough foster care homes in Buffalo County to even take care of 138? That some of those kids have to be sent out to other counties to try to take care of our own need of the orphan here in our own county, Buffalo County, where you and me well know, Carney makes up the bulk share of it. Just 138 of them. And not enough homes to even welcome them in and to love them, and to care for them, and to say, I'll help you, and I'll make a way for you. 
That's where we live today. In our world, we've got 5,000, 5,760 children that are orphaned every single day. We have children that are every 14 seconds that goes by are orphaned because of a death due to the disease, the invisible disease, the invisible virus, the invisible death-killing virus of AIDS. Every 14 seconds, another child becomes an orphan on our planet. There are approximately 150 million orphans in the world today. 150 million. We have an estimated amount of 313 million Americans. That means roughly half of the population of our country with its 50 states. Half of our population are orphans on the planet today. I've had the privilege of going to many, many different countries. I've experienced orphans in many different situations. I can tell you for sure that a a lot of that 150 million, there's a bulk share of them, that they are living in foster care situations, but they're jumping from one foster home to another. And as they get older, the process only gets quicker and more uncertain for them. There's a lot of them that are living in orphanages, some of which I was just in in Haiti. But then there's a whole other big, massive group of them that I saw. I was visiting the country of Romania one year, running the streets, completely without anywhere to go. Same thing holds true in Haiti. Running the streets with no home. Same thing holds true in Omaha. The same thing holds true down the corridor of I-80. Children, yes, here in America, living on the streets, having to try to defend themselves. This is the need that faces us. I don't tell you all this to try to overwhelm you or try to make you feel bad about what you're not doing. Let's look today, though, at what is God's solution. What would God say is the solution to this epidemic, this problem of orphans that are on the planet? What is God's heart towards them? What is God's solution? And to bring you to the beginning of God's solution, I want to encourage you to do something with me. During this teaching series, I want you to memorize some scripture with me, okay? I want you to do this with me. I know that we don't practice scripture memorization you know, enough. So I want, I want you to go on a journey with me to memorize two quick verses. Matthew chapters 25, verses 35 through 36. I'll try to give it my best. If I mess it up, it's just the first week of the series. Okay? Fair? And no, this is not, can I just memorize the gist of it, Pastor Jeff? No, you can't. You memorize the whole thing. You pick the version you want to memorize it in. I picked the New Living Translation. For I was hungry, and you fed me. This is Jesus speaking. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. It's all I want you to memorize. I just want you to memorize that little portion. I want that to get into your spirit. And I want that to soak into you because the solution that's in God's heart for this need called the orphan, this need, this invisible need of the poor, this invisible need of slavery, these invisible needs is found right in that passage. So I'm going to put it up on the screen. And why don't you just quote with me those first couple of verses in verse 35 and 36. Why don't you quote it with me? Come on. It says, For 
I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. That's the part I want you to memorize. But Jesus, he goes on. He goes on to talk about, you know, what will mankind be like? How will man know if man is part of solving the problems on our planet that God's put within your your grasp and my grasp? And Jesus goes on and he says this. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say these words. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What is God's solution? When you and me reach out to the orphan and we satisfy their hunger, we're doing it as unto God. When we reach out to the thirsty and we literally give them a drink, we're doing it as unto God. When they have no clothes and we provide them, we're doing it as unto God. When they're sick and we give them medical care, we're doing it as unto God. When they're thrust into prison and into moments of slavery and we minister to them, we're doing it as unto God. And when we invite them into our home to let them live and to find a place, we're doing that as unto God. So what is it that Jesus is trying to tell us through this passage? So when we take time to minister to the invisible need of the orphan, we're both ministering to Christ, we're both ministering to God, but we're also helping to fulfill the solution of God's heart. And what is the solution of God's heart? It's not that the government takes care of all these needs. Nor is it that the church benevolence account takes care of all these needs. Or that the church missions account takes care of all these needs. Or that the church sends missionaries to take care of all these needs. The response that Jesus is trying to bring is one where he uses a word over and over again, and he says, you minister to the hungry. You minister to the thirsty. You minister to those who have no home. You minister to those who have no clothes. You to the sick. You to those who are in prison. He's trying to say there's a personal involvement. And you can't get around it. There's no escaping it. There's no eluding it. All those other things I mentioned are great and they're good. And let them do their thing. But that doesn't mean that you and me can sit there and do nothing. There's a personal involvement. Today, Nate told you that we have special guests here with us. Um, Matt and Abby Richardson are here. And uh, they, Abby actually, you know, was a part of this church. Her, her parents are the Gertises. And these guys understand what it means to give a personal involvement as they are newly appointed missionaries to the country of El Salvador. Would you please put your hands together and welcome Matt and Abby Richardson. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome. How are you? We're doing great. Yeah, it's nice to see you again. Yeah, it's always good to see you guys, you know, pop in, you know, every once in a while as your family is from here. And uh, Matt and I served together at Flatland. You came from uh, college, you were an intern, so that was pretty cool. And to have you back on the stage means you must have done a good job back then. Well, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, exactly. 
Exactly. Well, I think the first thing that a lot of people want to know when we get missionaries on the platform, and we're talking today about this, um, you know, invisible need of the orphan is, you know, what would really cause you guys to, you know, take your two young lives and your children and move to the country of El Salvador where you're going to minister to the invisible needs that are happening there that we here in America have no idea uh, what's going on. So help us understand, what would cause you guys to take that kind of a leap of faith and personally involve yourself like Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25? Well, it's really cool that you mentioned Romania, actually, because um, it takes me back to when I was 12 years old. And I was in Bucharest, Romania um, on my first mission trip with my grandfather. And I was standing in a hotel window watching, thinking I had the worst life ever. Um, Just a little bit of background. My my father left us when I was five years old. We were in Germany, and he kind of abandoned my mom and I. So uh, my mom and I came back to the States, and she became really bitter at God. So I I lived a life not knowing uh, who my father was. And so I went to Romania on this... um, this trip, and I was standing in the hotel window, and all of a sudden I saw those street kids that you were talking about come pouring out of the sewers uh, to find food and to find uh, shelter and just to do whatever they needed to do to survive. Um, and in that moment, God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to be a father to the fatherless. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. I was 12. I didn't have a dad of my own um, that was anything in my life. And so from that moment on, God just began to cultivate a heart in me for children who uh, were in the same position I was. Yeah. And so it started right there in Romania. Uh, it was really cool. Um, I've been several other places and worked with orphans. And uh, in El Salvador, I get to work with kids all day um, who some are orphans. Some just have um, some bad backgrounds at home. But we're, we want to just give that hope and the love of Christ to them uh, where yeah. they are. So that's, that's what my, where it started for me. Abby's a little different. She'll share that in just a second. So for me, what, what um, you know, I guess the reason why we're pursuing this, this call to El Salvador, why we're bringing our young boys uh, to a country that's a little less secure and a little less comfortable than the States for me, it started when I was um, junior high, high school age, and God put a very strong call and a passion on my on my heart for missions and told me very clearly that, that he was calling me to full-time mission service. And for me specifically, uh, he put a call on my heart for medical missions, and um, I don't even know, at the time, I did not even know any medical missionaries and didn't know much about it, but that was the call that God put on my heart as a young girl. And then years of preparation, um, went through nursing school and then went through um, a master's in nursing. And so I finished up that recently. So for my calling as medical missions, I'll be working as a family nurse practitioner in a rural area of El Salvador where they do not have access to health care at all. And that's the passion that God put in my heart for, um, for serving in overseas and, and long-term missions. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's great. It's a great, it's a great team that you guys have. Um, you come, you come with, um, you know, a unified heart, but you come with some great gifts, skills, and abilities that you're willing to go share with the underprivileged um, on our planet. So you were talking about going to Romania. I'm sure that both of you guys have some amazing missionary stories that you could share with us. Today, since we're talking about the orphan, um, was, there, was there anything else that maybe you could help us understand about this need of the orphan that's on our planet today? beyond maybe what we, what I heard or I, I, sh- I shared a moment ago um, that you've maybe been exposed to from your missionary journeys. Anything else that you guys would, you would add to that? Uh, well, like I said before, I've been in a lot of different countries. So it, it um, obviously, I mean, it's a massive need. And a lot of times we just don't think about it. Um, there are, like you said, 150 million. That's a lot of children who are in need sure. of some love, really just love and um, care. And so um, 
I've been, I worked with, mission, uh, with an orphanage in Thailand, and I know there um, the biggest need was just trying to keep um, the housing for the number of children that they had. They didn't have enough room for them, uh, food for them. So uh, the need is just more than just physical also, but these kids are looking for just love and a hope. Yeah. And um, that's what my, uh, my heart is for the kids is just to give them a love of, of God, the Heavenly Father that we all have, and uh, just share with them that there is a hope and there's a way and there's someone out there who does care about them. Uh, we yeah. get to be that physical love and that physical care, but there's also that spiritual there too. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, I know, you know, just recently back in September being in Haiti and walking into a few different orphanages, it's, um, it's just interesting. You know, you, you walk in and you, and you have these children that's kind of like they run up and they grab you. And I always, I've been to so many of those moments. I, I really kind of like to be one of the last guys in the door because then you really find the one that is kind of isolated and you find them just sitting there by themselves and just to spend a few moments with them and just encouraging them, knowing that I can't take you home with me right now, um, oh, I, although I'd love to. And here's, I take a picture of myself, you know, and send it to my wife and she's, she's like, oh, you know. Um, so it's really heart moving to see the need of the orphan around the world and then to see that God's blessed us with so much to be able to help meet those needs. What about you guys as you go to El Salvador? Um, how is your, your ministry is going to be broad, obviously, but how is your ministry going to be ministering to the orphan and the, the need of the orphan in El Salvador? Yeah, so El Salvador is a country that is full of orphans at various levels. You know, they have the actual orphans without father and mother that live in orphanages, but they also have a big uh, problem with domestic violence in El Salvador um, where they have uh, many, many homes, the vast majority of their homes where they have only a mother because the father leaves after a certain period of time. And usually for the period of time that, that the father is present, he's usually abusive. Um, it's just a very cultural thing there. The men are very abusive um, to the wives and sometimes to the kids. So the kids grow up in a home usually very typically with their mom and their siblings. And um, that is a problem that leads to, you know, them looking for more love, like, like Matt shared. They don't have the love of the father of, of both parents in the home. And so there's a huge gang problem in El Salvador. It is one of the most severe gang ridden countries in the world. And it's uh, been known previously as the homicide capital of Latin America. So the gang percentages, they say about 75% of of teenagers between the ages of, I think, like 12 to 18 are in the gangs, and they they lead a life of uh, violence, and it's just a very sad situation. And so for us, what we will be doing with King's Castle is working with these children and trying to get them out of that environment, trying to bring them to Christ before they enter the gangs, and trying to, you know, even the ones that are in gangs, trying to reach out to them as well and try to prevent that slippery slope of, of going down that path of trying to find love in gangs, trying to find acceptance yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's huge. I was watching recently um, when I was traveling in a hotel room, I was watching these these uh, documentaries on gangs in America and heard a lot about the gangs of El Salvador um, in Washington, D.C., and in Detroit, and um, in that northeast area of our United States. Pretty predominant. And some of those shots are being called from prisons, um, even in El Salvador. It's a pretty amazing thing. We were talking earlier about the passage... Um, in, found in Matthew chapter 25. And, you know, we kind of quoted the beginning part of it, and then we looked at the rest of it. I was wondering, you know, from your perspective, how, how do you really see the spiritual heart of God challenging the church when you read a passage like that? 
What, what stands out to you? Well, I've been told I'm kind of simple, so when I read the scripture, I try to be as simple as possible. Yeah. And uh, I think with this, it's really just to do something. Uh, I really am a firm believer that every single person breathes for a purpose. Um, if you're still breathing, there's a reason that you're here. And uh, especially with, you know, you're um, sharing with Buffalo County, and there's just all these easy ways just to get involved. And I think he's just saying, get up and do something. Wow. And whatever that is, um, if that's making a meal for a family who has foster kids, if that's giving money, if that's giving time, whatever that is, I really think it's just a, a straight challenge just to do something. Right on. Um, because obviously we're not doing enough, or there wouldn't be 150 million of them. So... <laughs> What what about what about your heart? That's great, man, and great, good practical stuff. But but Abby, why don't we wrap up? You know, with your heart. Um, you know, men see it from one one side. Women women typically see it from what we like to call the right side. So, um, <laughs> at least that's what my wife's told me. So, um, how, how, what do you sense God's really challenging us with? You know, in that Matthew chapter twenty five, and what are some what are practical things that just kind of impact you? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what what kind of things stand out to you? I think just that what stands out to me from the passage is just taking personal ownership for the orphans and for the hurting in our own communities. And Jesus said very clearly, you know, if you if you do this unto the least of these, you're doing it as unto me. So right. I think sometimes we lose that sense of ownership and we feel like, oh, you know, somebody else will help them or they are from, you know, sometimes even in this here in the United States, we lose a sense of ownership to people in other countries. And sometimes we feel like that's somebody else's problem or, you know, Christ is saying in this passage that if you do unto the least of these, you're doing it unto me. So we need to recognize and understand that as Christians, we are called, whether we receive, you know, the handwriting on the wall or not, we are all called as Christians to answer that need. And answer that need both, I think, in a physical way and in a spiritual way. Yeah. And that's, it's not just about preaching. It's very important to preach the gospel, but it's about reaching them physically and showing them the love of Christ physically as well. Because if you look at Jesus' own ministry, that's exactly what Jesus did. The three, right. the three years of ministry he had, he did far more than just preach the gospel. He also ministered to people's physical needs and showed what it meant to love the least of those. He's, he loved people that were outcasts. And a lot of times we just don't take ownership for those people because we think they're somebody else's responsibility. Right. Wow. You don't have to get all like challenging on us. <laughs> you know, calm down a little bit. We don't challenge people like that around here. You know, we're more like lovey-dovey, take it easy. Someone else will take care of it. No, you did good. You guys did good. We're proud to have you as new missionaries that we're supporting. And we're excited for you and your journeys down to El Salvador. I know that as a team... Uh, as a church, we sent some teams to El Salvador. I think maybe the last team that went, did you guys go with them? Yeah. Um, and so we've had, we've had a great connection there. We look forward to continuing that connection. And especially now that we get to come see you. And I think that somehow, some way with your dad, you know, kind of overseeing missions, that's by the way, he stepped out of the room and we decided to support them as a point of integrity for his own sake. So you are supported, not because of your dad. Um, we also support you because you come from here and we support you because we believe in you and we're looking forward to coming and seeing you. And I think because of your dad and mom, we will probably be down to see you. So there we go. There we go. Would you guys give it up for our newest missionaries to our family here at new life?
guys, those guys are awesome. They, they are really super amazing. Um, so I want to challenge you now really quickly. What are ways that you can be involved in meeting these needs of the orphan? And the very first thing I want you to know is that at New Life, we support 43 missionaries and missions organizations around the world. That's, that's what we do right now. That's a lot of missionaries, of which you guys are one of those 43. Um, but how do we support them? We support them by faith promise giving. So in your bulletin, you should open it up and pull out your faith promise card. I want you to take that and hold it in your hand really for the rest of this service. Alright, there's really, it's really one per person or one per couple. And these faith promise cards are how we raise money for missions here at New Life. It does not that money, money for missions doesn't come out of your tithe. Tithe is given just to God and says, God, this is for the work of your church to reach the lost and disciple believers in this world here in Kearney, Nebraska. We take missions dollars, which is a faith promise. Those monies come in. They're put into a separate account. And it's those monies that go back out to support couples like this that you heard, that you heard today. A faith promise for us at New Life is a six-month commitment. It's not a year. It's just six months. And you're making this commitment not to Jeff Baker, nor are you making the commitment to new life, but you're making the commitment to God. You're saying, God, above and beyond my tithe, above and beyond, tithe means 10%, so above and beyond me giving you the first 10% that comes from my paycheck, I'm also going to give you an offering called a faith promise. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to put faith at risk. I'm going to believe you that, God, if I join with people like Matt and Abby, I'm helping to reach the orphans around the world. I'm helping to minister to their needs, as well as all the other things we're going to talk about during this teaching series. It's a great practical way. So what I want you to consider today throughout the rest of this message is I want you to think about how can you give to missions? How can you be secured knowing that the money that you give to missions helps meet needs around the world and in our backyard and it ministers through people like Matt and Abby. You can do that through a faith promise. We currently are giving monthly to missionaries $9,975 a month. That's us, by faith, stepping out above and beyond our tithe, right? Because we could use that money for our own selves. But instead of using it for our own selves, we support missionaries around the world to meet the needs of the orphans, the poor, and those that are held in sex slavery, being human trafficked right now on the planet. So why don't you consider joining with us by you making a faith promise that would help us to expand that missionary base, expand our influence on the world. Beyond that, there are other ways to minister. But before I tell you about these other ways, I want you to be considering what amount you're going to put down on that card for the next six months. And when the worship team comes back up, I want you to simply take that card and bring it and lay it on the stage. Lay it on the steps. Just lay it down there as an attitude of worship to God, saying, God, this is a commitment I'm making to you. You can just take it, you lay it face down right on these steps, and you just let it sit there. What are some of the other ways? Another way, you've heard it here at at New Life often, Royal Family Kids Camp. We're going to give this one more shot, all right? So I love my guys up in the tech booth, man. They are ferocious at making things work. And we've put in a bunch of new equipment that is causing us to go through a learning curve. And so that's one of the reasons why you see some things that are glitchy. Um, we're going to get, or can we give it another shot up there, guys? We can try it. Okay. So would you strap your seatbelt on and go with me on a journey on an adventure? All right. As we take a look at our new directors, uh, Tracy and Angie Hawk, who are leading um, Royal Family and how you can be a part of that in meeting the needs of the orphan. Take a look. 
morning, New Life Assembly family. My name is Tracy, and this is my wife, Angie. And we just want to start out by saying thank you for your support of Royal Family Kids Camps. It is our privilege and honor to be directors of Royal Family Kids Camp, a ministry that really reaches out to the abused and neglected population of our community, a population that is oftentimes invisible in the eyes of those of us as we look around this community. So we are just excited to be here with you today and look forward to sharing more with you about Royal Family Kids Camp. Tracy and I met, I was the executive director of a crisis pregnancy center, and through that time, ministering to women, many of the women had been in the foster care system or abused and neglected themselves, and I kept thinking if there was something that these women could have participated in before, as children, before reaching adulthood, how different would their lives have been? Last year at Royal Family Kids Camp, uh, I have to admit I was feeling a little discouraged. Uh, through multiple roles, I wasn't able to spend a lot of time with the kids. And the very last day, we were on our way to the tree planting ceremony, and this little girl comes up to me, and she was uh, just a blessing all week long. Every time she saw me, I gave her a hug, she gave me a side hug, and the last day, she told me I was her best friend. All I did the whole week to interact with her is every time I saw her, just gave her that little side hug, and that's what it took. We have uh, several opportunities for people to participate in this outstanding ministry. Um, not only just with camp staff, uh, we're always looking for quality people to be out there at the camp itself, whether operating as big campers, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, support staff. Just a vast army of people is required out there to make this camp possible. But throughout the year, we have several opportunities for people to participate in the Ministry of Royal Family. Uh, we have one of those coming up tonight as the uh, movie Camp is going to be shown at the World Theater starting at 6 p.m. Everybody is welcome to come out and just experience through film a little bit of what a week of Royal Family Kids Camp is like. So that's one way you can be involved. Another way that you can be involved in meeting the need of the orphan is in your bulletin. There is a prayer path for you to follow for the rest of this month. Uh, I would encourage you to take that out, follow it. It gives you a prayer emphasis every single day for the orphan. Another way that you can be involved, these are just going to sequentially kind of amp their way up, but another way you can be involved is find an organization that sponsors orphans around the world and maybe sponsor a child. You've seen that for many, many, many years, but maybe that's something you've always avoided. That might be a way for you to help meet a need of an orphan is for you to sponsor one of them. Another way that you can be a part of meeting the needs of orphans, as an example, plus the poor and those caught in slavery around the world is participating in one of our missions trips that's coming up in March of 2014. We have a flyer that is in your bulletin that you can see there. There are many trips. We're going to the Philippines. Um, I'm going to lead that trip. Uh, we're going to be going to Haiti. We've, uh, we've got some people that are going on a ski and surf. Yes, take your family if you've got junior hires or high schoolers. And you all get to go. This is not just for students. Um, you can go and serve in the inner city of Denver and then spend a few days skiing together as well. Uh, we're also going to, with Pastor uh, Dean, he's going to oversee some missions opportunities right here in the local area where we live. I also want to make sure that you realize that in your bulletin is a flyer that highlights um, another ministry here in town called Compass. And Compass is a ministry that has a lot of different facets to it, but in its essence, they're really trying to prevent 
orphans um, uh, from becoming an epidemic in our community. They try to step into homes before situations happen where families lose their children. But they're also desiring to try to create a community inside of the church where one family would step out by faith and go, we'll be a foster care family. You know, I know we've never done it before. I always thought it'd feel overwhelming, but we'll step out and we'll do that. And they try to help us create a culture which we're going to strive for here at New Life where some families become foster care parents and then we have another, we have a network of families that rally around them to help them. They help them by giving them a night off. You know, they help them by making a meal and bringing it over. They help them by being a part of their life. They help them by becoming an aunt and or an uncle. And the information to contact Compass um, is in your bulletin. And if not, you can go online, you can find it. But you'll hear more about that coming up um, in the next number of months as we strive to become a church like that. If you really want to just give it all, you just want to go out there and you just want to go, how can I really truly help the need of the orphan and I just want to give it all, then I would encourage you to consider adoption. Or I would, cons- I would encourage you to consider, you know, being a foster care parent here in Buffalo County so that you can help, you know, raise up, um, you know, or- orphans that could become extremely powerful and famous people, such as Steve Jobs, who, you know, created all of this, all of these things called Macs and Apples, who just recently died, an orphan um, adopted at birth. Or another guy that I really like and I'm super thankful for, um, Dave Thomas. You know Dave Thomas? Yeah, because he starts the square cheeseburger at Wendy's. Come on. It's awesome. You know, that guy adopted at birth. You can help raise up people like that. What is the ultimate reason for responding to the need of the orphan, though? What is it? The ultimate reason is because God cares. Because God cares. Why don't you take a look, look with me at Isaiah 1.17. Take a look at what it says. It says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed defend the cause of the orphans. Take a look with me at Proverbs 31, 8. This is God's heart. He says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. God says to us, defend the cause of the orphan. And he tells us to speak up. Speak up for those who have no voice. Speak up for the orphan. What's God really calling us to do to be a part of the solution? He's calling you to be an advocate. An advocate, someone who speaks for, someone who defends, someone who comes alongside and they run alongside of them and they help secure their future and they help secure, you know, their current life and they run along and they go, I'll be your advocate. I will speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. I will clothe you when you can't clothe yourself. I will give you food when you can't do it. I'll give you drink when you can't. I'll invite you into my home when you can't take care of yourself. It's that type of heart that God's looking for. But that's not even where it ends. In James chapter 1, verse 27, take a look at what God says. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. The Father means caring for what? Orphans in their what? Pure and genuine religion. Or worship to God is caring for orphans when they're in their distress. When they can't take care of their own. Caring for them, expecting nothing in return. How are you going to have compassion for the orphan today? You're going to have compassion because you heard some statistics? Are you going to have compassion because you see a couple that's willing to give it all? Are you going to have compassion because you saw some videos? Or how, how are you going to have true godly compassion for the orphan? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if, you know, maybe you are an orphan? 
you'd probably identify with the need or the plight of the orphan and you would desire to try to help them. Or maybe you were in a home where your parents adopted and so you were raised with an orphan that became part of your family. Maybe that would help you a little bit better. Or you're close to someone who is an orphan and they become a friend of yours. And so maybe you understand a little bit more because we're more compassionate when we, when we sense a need. But today I've got, I've got some insightful information for you today. God set it up so that you would have compassion for the orphan and you would understand the plight of the orphan because all of us were born into this world as orphans. Every last one of you, Jeff Baker included, spiritually, we're all orphans. Spiritually, we're living our lives and we don't have a way to connect with a Heavenly Father. Why? Because there's sin in our lives. And so what did God do? God sent Jesus to give his life on the cross, that he would, he would die on the cross and he would raise again from the dead so that you and me might have our sins forgiven and the status of orphans spiritually will become, the, will become the new status of a son or a daughter of God. God literally says in his word that he wants to adopt us into his family. How are you going to care for the plight of the orphan, for the invisible orphan that's happening all around us, how are you going to do that when you finally embrace the fact that you were an orphan and that God found it within his heart great pleasure to adopt you? This is what Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says. Take a look at it. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Why do you need to be adopted if you weren't an orphan? Today, it was God's choice to adopt you. It was God's plan to adopt you. And it gives God great pleasure when you surrender your life to Him and you allow Him to adopt you. So today, have you ever stopped just to think about what it's like? What it was like to be an orphan? Have you ever stopped to think about what it was like for God to say, you're an orphan, but I'm going to adopt you? Have you ever stopped to do that before? Today in worship, that's where I want you to focus. I want you to focus more on the fact that you were an orphan. If it weren't for Christ, you would still be one. Causing pain to yourself and causing pain to others. Causing abuse to yourself and abuse to others. Causing neglect to yourself and neglect to others. Where would you be? Where would you be as the status of orphan if it wasn't for God's grace to adopt you and make you sons and daughters? It gives God great pleasure to do that, by the way. So if you're here today and you're outside of a relationship with God, you're still in that orphan status, you need to know something. God, with a smile on his face, is going, I want to adopt you into my family. I want to take care of your pain. I want to take care of your needs. I want to take care of your wrestling. I want to take care of you. I want to love you. I want to embrace you. I want to bring you in. I want to supply your needs. I want to bring you identity. I want to bring you security in life. I want to bring you comfort. I want to bring you hope. I want to bring you peace where you have none. But you first are going to have to come to the point where you're able to say, I'm an orphan, separated from God for eternity. So I'm going to come to God by saying, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my leader. Today, today, you're all orphans if it weren't for the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.
Father, as we come before you, we're humbled by the fact that, Lord, we're nothing without you. Lord, we run the streets of this world without you. We run aimlessly from one area that causes pain to the next area that causes pain to one thing that ends up slamming us to the ground and leaving us hopeless to another thing that slams us and leaves us hopeless. We search after pipe dreams without you. We try to find satisfaction and hope in all types of places around this world, but without you, we're nothing. Lord, if it weren't for your grace through Christ, Lord, we'd stand here. We'd stand here empty with nothing to give. But Lord, because of you, and as we surrender our life to you, then Lord, we become sons and daughters of the King. May we receive today the sonship and the daughtership found in your kingdom. May we be broken of the fact that, Lord, we were once orphans. And through that compassion, through that identity, God, you will use our lives to minister to the invisible need of the orphan. And if we don't connect with you on that level, then everything we do for the orphan is in vain. Show up in this place today and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name.